Hello, it's Freddy Cruz, and this is a show in which I share with you the stories of the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make the greater Houston area great. One such individual is Amber Richards. Shortly after meeting her and her family, I knew that I had to get her on the show. Amber and her son Adonis died and were brought back to life during her pregnancy. She had kidney failure, and at just eight months old, Adonis was diagnosed with cancer. All of this as the pandemic was just getting started back in 2020. During this conversation with Amber, we talk about her journey through motherhood, Adonis' battle against cancer, a mindset-shifting conversation with a stranger in a hallway, and her path to entrepreneurship. This episode is brought to you by my agency, Speak Podcasting, home to shows like The Final Curtain Never Closes, hosted by the National Museum of Funeral History, and Let's Talk About Your Breasts, hosted by the Rose Breast Center of Excellence. If you have a story to share with the world, join the next great podcast agency by scheduling your free discovery call now at speakpodcasting.com. That is S-P-E-K-E, podcasting.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Florida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Let's let you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. We met a short while back at the Cap Gala, met you and your husband, Ali, and your precious little boy, Adonis, who walked the runway with Sarah Pepper, who was one of our honorees. So let's talk about your son and his journey through cancer and all the things that led you to now. Um, I mean, his journey started, I mean, it really started before he was born. We had a rough pregnancy getting here. Um, I think that's what led up to. And let me say, walking with Sarah Pepper, that was the cutest thing. That dog changed my life. Um, it changed my son's life and how he handles animals now because he is not animal friendly. He does not like animals at all. If you have beyond more than four legs, he's not doing it. More than two, really, he's not doing it. So um, to see that dog for him that shared a common disability that they both have of having a missing a right a left eye of the same I mean and they were matching come on that was just that was ordained by God but um a journey that Adonis has been on really started in our womb um I had a very rough pregnancy I had a lot of things happen to us during the pregnancy um I mean down from kidney failure blood clots I mean it was it's, it was a lot and um just trying to get him here was it, we died and came back the day before he was born. We ended up um, down his baby shower. Actually, the night of his baby shower, we ended up in the hospital and we stayed for two weeks until he was born. And um, they had to bring us back once during that, right before he was born, 24 hours before he was born. So that's kind of where we're assuming where things kind of started. Uh, Adonis has a cancer called retinoblastoma. He lost his left eye when he was eight months old. Um when he was maybe, I noticed some things in pictures. I'm gonna be honest. I was, I have, I do have another child. She's um happened to be at a slumber party that night, so you didn't get to meet her, Freddie. But her name is Azalea. Um, she's ten years old. So I hadn't had a baby in five years prior to her. So you take a lot of pictures, especially he's a boy. So you know, you take a lot of pictures of your baby. And I would always notice in the pictures, like one red eye and then one white eye. I'm used to, everybody's used to a red eye with a picture, but the white eye kind of looked at, I mean, I just, again, thought it was the pictures, but I did notice it. 
And then um, it wasn't until he was maybe about after six months, um, I took him to the park for a photo shoot. And I did his little half birthday photo shoot at um, um, a resident over here. And the light was just so beautiful because we were by some water. And I happened to be laying him on his blanket to get a up top shop. And I just, it, I seen something. And I've been in the medical field for about 10 years now, um, working with doctors. So I kind of know, I've studied a few things. I've been in pediatrics, so I've never known nothing about retinoblastoma, but I knew something was not right. But again, I I thought maybe I was going crazy. It wasn't until he was um, seven months, entering into eight months, I'd had him outside in his carrier, and I just was able to look inside his eyeball. Okay. When you say you were able to look inside his eyeball, you mean like it's clear, not what you and I would see when we're looking at each other. Like right now we're looking at each other's eyes and you, you see. So right now we see our retinas. We see our eye color. Um, we see, I could not see none of that. I was looking inside of his actual, into. it wasn't the eyeball itself. I could not see the veins. I did, I did kind of see some veinage because um, I told the doctor how it looked. So it was veinage from what he was saying, but the, it, it was, it was a cancer. I could say it was a beautiful cancer because it made him look like he had hazel eyes. And it was like a gray, green, brownish hazel color. And it just looked it distorted. It looked like clouds inside of his eye. But I, he still had the clear, you know, he still had the, the um, film over the eyeball, of course. But his retina was not there. But it would do it sometimes and not all the time. And that was when I found out that was before it detached his actual retina and consumed the eye itself. So um, I ended. I got him over to the pediatrician. I was really good friends with his pediatrician. I chose him because he was one of the doctors that helped save our lives um, when me and Adonis coded and got him delivered here safely. Got me me here safely with all my limbs because I was at risk of having meningitis. So just trying to get him here. Um, so child, when I called Doctor Actor, Doctor Actor, I was like, I see. I see a mass in his eye. That's just how I called and made the appointment. And he thought I was crazy. He came in and was like, Miss Richards, you said you see a mass. He was like, I know you know your terminology, but um, and to see a doctor grab his stethoscope and look in that baby eye, and he did look at me, and I just I'm looking at him, and he looked at me, and he just said, I'll be right back. And he stepped out and he went and got um an attending physician, who's my daughter's uh, pediatrician. She's a female and. She looked and I mean, it's like they seen a ghost. It's like their face went pale. You know, me and Ali is just sitting there looking at each other like, what do what is going on here? You know, I'm saying mass, me being in the medical field for 10 years, phlebotomy, handling family practice, medicine and pediatrics. When I was saying mass, it wasn't recollecting with me what a mass, what that mass is. I mean, I know what a mass, it might be cancerous. It could be non-cancerous. But I still was never registering like the cancer word, you know, because you don't you watch those St. Jude commercials and people tend to change those channels and don't want to see it. But when you're actually living it, you got to see it and you got to deal with what God put it forth, put forth in front of you. So when I seen it, I kind of just like you had a good wrenching feeling like this may not be good, but I don't know what this is yet. And then we were going through that um, COVID was starting to get really real. <laughs> so at that time, and this is around um, around January, around January, February of, of 2020. So this was, you know, shut down doctor's appointments to say we need all these quick doctor's appointments. 
it came with so much, you know, making sure you got COVID vaccinated. So it was like, oh, if I didn't go do this, you can't see my son. And I made everything happen, honey. I, we was making these doctor's appointments happen. I want to go back to the red that you saw in his eyes with the photos. When you say red, you mean mm-hmm. like you take a picture and there's red eye, like the red, like a red laser, in, but just mm-hmm. in one eye and then the other right. eye was was normal? It was a white shining light, just like the red eye would look, but it was white instead of red. So it'd be like literally one red and one white shining light. And that white shining light, um, now being educated about retinoblastoma, some, we were seeing the back part, it was still had his retina attached. We were seeing the back part of the cancers trying to grow and manifest Oh God! at that time. So yeah, you would see it sometimes, but you wouldn't see it. You really had to be paying attention like, Thank God he gave me the eyes to pay attention and see. Yeah. Because I just was watching it all this time. And that's when I just, like I said, that day I had him in it, I had to take him. And I just didn't know it was going to put us on this path. But I'm glad I caught it early because Adonis could have been way worse off than what he is. Absolutely. Okay. And then going back to the journey and January, February of 2020, COVID, as you said, it's getting real. The cases are picking up. And having worked with people in the breast cancer field, I know that 2020 was particularly rough when it came to mm-hmm. just getting people inside buildings and everyone rightfully so is is freaked out because it's it's the novel coronavirus and this is something we've never dealt with as a as a planet, right? Mm-hmm. So how yeah. how how hard was it for you to, or better, better asked, how, how did you navigate all of this with a baby, like getting in and out, getting the appointments and whatnot? Honestly, Freddie, I'm going to tell you that time was a big blur. Um, I'd, if you said one wrong thing, if you said any wrong thing at that time, honey, they will get you up out of there. I made the mistake of when um, this was right before he had the actual enucleation surgery. And it was so many. Once they diagnosed him, they diagnosed him on February 22nd. Uh, Dr. Charity Granis diagnosed him officially. You know, we were at the eye doctor all day, all day, you know, COVID was still like, you know, people just still, uh, it was still a thing to a lot of people, but it's that office you could tell just look, hey, what happens, happens, just make sure you wear a mask. That's what everybody was. It was an optical office. So um, being, after being there for all day, our appointment was at 12. We did not leave there. I got the news at around 4.30-ish, a little bit after 4.30. Um, it was just being a dentist because my Ali had to leave and go pick up Azalea because he didn't think he was going to be gone that long. Um, and when she diagnosed us, you know, you go through the whole tears and everything. So after that, it was like, once she said, go, I have the best doctor at Texas children. You're going to do this, do this, that it was on go. The ophthalmologist that, um, which I, he's an amazing Dr. Gombos is an amazing <laughs> physician. He's an intelligent man. He is beyond intelligent. Um, He's very finicky, though. He's very, very finicky. So you say one wrong thing when they're asking you those questionnaires, honey. 
he will hightail you up out of here because he was very anti-coronavirus, which is, I mean, that is the only man that does that surgery out here in Texas. So he cannot afford to get sick. So it was completely understandable. But they asked you a question. They asked you, you know, the regular questionnaires about any coughing, um, coughing, sneezing or anything. And I said he coughs in his sleep. Honey, they were about ready to cancel this surgery. Get him up. <laughs> Everybody leave. Oh, Just go. No. Like, oh, it was insane. And I had to become an angry mom because I'm like, I sick is. I just went off. Just let it be known. But I'm not trying to disrespect nobody. But this has to happen. Uh, this look. You telling me how serious this is? Yeah. This and this was the last. Um, he does unanesthetic eye exams. He still does those now to this day. So at that time, it was unanesthetic. I guess they, this was the last time that they were measuring, basically planning with the team how they're going to remove it, what they're going to remove it, utensils, just all that stuff. So this was the last um, one before the major surgery. And um, just to see what, I guess, what, well, not guess, he told me what stage it was, you know, how big what they needed to do as far as if they need to remove the whole thing, what was going to happen if he needed some of the brain to be gone. It was a lot um, to digest. So it was just one of those, do what you got to do. That technically surgery was only, we were hoping that it wouldn't have been that bad. He said if he would have seen a small tumor, he would have lasered it off. He wouldn't have had to lose the eye, but that one confirmed how bad it really was. And he came out that hot, he came out that examination room. Once everything got settled with the COVID issue, um, he came out that examination room and from the OR, not from the actual OR, and he was like, um, Mr. and Mrs. Braywaite, this eye has to go like, it got to go. It got to go. It has consumed. He said at that time it was not traveling to the brain or hitting the optical nerve yet, but it had completely disattached his retina. So basically the eye color, the the um, the vision, he could not see out that eye. He said he could tell he, has, he hasn't been able to see out that eye for a long time or since birth like he was like this and he started asking me the same questions when did you see this like they every doctor asked me the same thing you know they asked to see photos i showed them photos that um of adonis from you know from birth till now every photo had a light in it i mean every single one as soon as i got him home <sighs> and all of this and you've got your family, you've got another daughter, and then you've got all the challenges of everyday life you've got, a, in addition to COVID. So how were you able to just juggle everything? Was it just get up and go all the time? It's like fight or flight and you're fighting and it's, and it really is like a blur. And then here we are, mm -hmm. the past three years seems like 10 minutes has gone by. Yes. It was... And at that time, I wasn't um, doing my entrepreneur. Um, I wasn't catering at that time. I actually was working at a podiatrist's office for a foot specialist, a foot surgeon, sorry. And, um, you know, I was working a full-time job <laughs> Monday through Friday. So I left my job and went to the doctor's office to find out, you know, with Dr. Granis to find out about the cancer. So uh, Ali picked me up from Methodist because I was working at Methodist downtown at that time. So, um, you know, I was, it, it was, I don't know how I was managing it. It was already hard because you got, we're at the hospital. So we're getting all these new protocols and my doctor is freaking out. She is completely scared of any germs outside of COVID. So it was a lot at that time. And I just felt like I was in a blur and in a whirlwind. And the same thing with um, Ali is 
you know, he's the leader of the household, but I'm, I'm, I'm the lion. I'm the lion. <laughs> I'm a Leo. So, um, I'm a little bit older than him. So yeah, I, I run this show. I run the 18th. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he lets me, he lets me run, run the household. I, I'm a wife and I be quiet when I need to be quiet. But mama, mama bill is the mama bill. So it was like, you know, everybody was kind of looking at me for everything. So, you know, which I've, uh, that's always been, been me, been, been on my plate or just being that main taken care of thanks to my mom. Cause she's missed through it all. So, um, when, especially when they told us when we had to have the surgery, that was the kicker part. Cause we did have a side business. Ali is a DJ as well. So that's how we coincided and started this whole thing is he's a DJ. I, I cook my butt off. So we had a wedding in Mississippi um, for May 19th, which was, I mean, I'm sorry, March 19th, uh, which was a Saturday. I had seen Dr. We had did the last little anesthetic eye exam that Friday before on the 18th. And we were supposed to be, I'm sorry, on the 17th, that Thursday, we were supposed to be hightailing it out of there to Mississippi that Friday morning. And he was like, no, I have to do this surgery. And we're like, wait, no, no, no. What you mean? I have, I already got the deposit for this gig, but all of that, I was in shock. And once he told me why we had to have it, because it had grew, it was growing a half a centimeter a day, which is a lot. It was starting to travel to his brain. Um, it had already went past the optical nerve. So he got to find out where he needs to clip it at to make sure that it doesn't go to the brain. And we got to pray and hope it go to the, don't, didn't go to the brain. Or we need to maybe make, see if we need to do a round of chemo just to make sure afterwards. Like it was so many balls throwing at us. And then he was like that. And FYI, we just found out in the meeting before I came to you, the, shut, the world is shutting down on Monday. Excuse me, what? Who's shutting down? And all of that, and we're, we're talking treatments and removing the mass on, you know, that's that's corrupting his, his eye and going to his brain. Mm-hmm. And we take mm-hmm. for granted the fact that this is a baby. Like... A baby. This is a baby mm-hmm. whose immune system is not developed. His body's not developed, right. like, mm-hmm. nearly as, as much as a grown-up. And so I imagine there's a uh, risk involved with that. They discussed a lot of risk, especially with the, the COVID happening. You know, everybody, it wasn't no vaccine yet. You know, it was it was just people getting tested. And if you got it, you got it. Hey, yeah, let's pray nothing don't happen to you. You know, so it was, they go through, they give you a rundown of all the risks that could happen. And then on top of that, I mean, he's eight months old and, I was already okay with the anesthesia part because I'm like he. We already had went through like three MRIs, and during that time from February to March, we had already went through three MRIs and two anesthetic eye exams. So he had to be sleep for every every single one. Every time he had to go to the OR. So that part was okay, but it was just the scariness of the aftercare. Um, That's what terrified me. Then it's like you're telling me the world is going to shut down, and telemed was not a thing then. (laughs) Telemed didn't exist. You know, it was going to the physical doctor at that time. So you telling me that you don't know when I'm going to be able to see you again. So you're just going to remove his eye and I'm just, what? So it was, it was a lot to digest. Um, 
I know I did my big, everybody asked, how much crying did you do? And I'm just like, I had my one big cry that day when she told me. I don't know if it was because more or less it was me by myself with him. And I just held my son and I cried my eyes out. And I don't know who that old man is. And I pray to God he's still living. And I just thank him to this day. But I closed out the doctor's office. Like, you know, you walk in, once you come out, the doctor is crying. And she's a female. Her assistant is crying. Like, I walk out the office and the ladies, the receptionist ladies, they didn't even leave. And it's almost 6 o'clock. Doctor's office closed at 5 so it's six going on six fifteen, and these ladies are in there still, just you know, giving me hugs and you know, just praying over Donis. And I got downstairs, and I'm just boohooing. I've been boohooing since since before when she told me, so I hadn't stopped. It was not that that little make no. It was the ugly cry beyond the ugly cry. Like Lord, take me now. Don't do him, please. Like it was, it was that ugly one. And this man, I, I I remember feeling somebody walk past me. And Adonis is just a little chunky, little bald-headed baby just looking at me and just like, what is going on? <laughs> like, what is happening right now? Why is mommy crying? He just looking. And he used to do this. He still do it now, but he used, he pat my little, he pat, 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 pat. And so I'm just like, I'm so sorry, son. That's all I could say. Like, I couldn't even, I just was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so, so sorry. And this man walked past me and I heard him try to open the door and I thought he went out the door and before I knew it, I just felt somebody touch my shoulder and he said, baby, I don't know what's going on. And he said, I don't know what you're going through. He said, but I'm telling you, the Lord is going to pull you through and it's going to be okay. And he was like, yo, baby, it's going to be okay. Cause I know he probably kept hearing me say my son, like, I'm so sorry, son. I'm so sorry. Why is this happening to you? And when he said that, it was like a shift in the atmosphere and, he just got me together. That man just got, and he walked off after that. And he said, I'm going to pray for you, honey. God loves you. And he just walked off a little sweet, old little white man. And he just, just walked on off into the sunset. And I was like, I, I didn't even see him catch a corner. So in my eyes, he was an angel that just came. And because as soon as that man disappeared, Ali and Azalea pulled up. And it was like, I had to get myself together because my five-year-old is finna run in here. She's excited to see her brother all day, every day. You know, she was the only child for five years of her life. So he is her world. She she is mama number two when I'm not around and when I'm around. So so I had to get myself together because I didn't want to see that little five-year-old five girl to see me like that, you know. And then I had to break it to Ali. And that was the most hardest thing ever. But I didn't, again, I didn't want him to us to get like that in front of her so I just was like I at that time um we were living with my in-laws and everybody was at the house waiting on us and everything so I had text my sister-in-law and I just told her you know everybody need to be at the house I need to talk to everybody at one time I'm not doing this multiple times we're not having multiple crimes sessions we're gonna cry this out as a family and it's go time because that's where my mind went after that man said that it was just like it's go time I'm finna save my baby. We finna do whatever we can to save my baby. I didn't go through this. He didn't go through this to get here for him to leave me. You know, I know God didn't do that. So I that's what my mind was. Like, we got to get it out. We're going to get it out together. So I didn't cry. Like, I, I did my big, big one. And then I cried with the family. And then you have those high and low moments. Don't get me wrong. But that constantly boohooing and, and being sad when I knew there were other kids you know, going through 10 times worse than us now being, because that 14th floor on Texas children will change your life. I'm going to tell you that now. 
going on the 14th floor is the oncology cancer floor. Um, that's where the kids get their IVs. Um, the ones that are, you know, still able to move around and still able to, to live a, a normal life outside of the hospital. But that is where they, you know, get their infusions done. That's where they, they see all their cancer teams and everything else. So you will see kids walking around with their poles. And I mean, my first time it was a kid it was like, they're going to the choo-choo train. I'm like, okay, this is nice. They got choo-choo train here. This is so awesome. And honey, the choo-choo train was his chemo pole. And I, I'll just, I'm like, this is where we're at. This is, that made it real. Like we're here. Adonis has cancer that day. I know that, that was when it slapped me. Like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. That whole section of, of Texas children's, it's like, if it doesn't, when you walk through those doors, if it doesn't give you some sort of mindset shift, then I'm convinced that Mm -hmm. there's no hope. Because you're right, no. it, it, it's you see, you you see things that are just it, it's for lack of a better phrase, just unnatural. It is not natural to see a child, a baby, mm-hmm. an infant, a, a school age kid, a teenager, mm-hmm. anybody. I mean, anybody, you, me. It's just mm-hmm. it, it, but especially for for yeah. little ones, it is just not. It does not seem mm-hmm. natural, and as much as I hate the word fair, it's not fair. It's just not fair because what have these kids right. done? They've done nothing to deserve yes. nothing. any any of this. They've done nothing. And, Mm-mm. you know, I I got to ask you, Amber, about, about the, 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 I guess, the guilt you felt. You know, you're apologizing to Adonis in that hallway and and mm-hmm. what you did to to shift the energy so that it didn't feel that way. Was it as easy as as being approached by the gentleman in the hallway that it's like, okay, he's right, I'm gonna be all right? Or did did that sort of guilt come and come and go? Uh does it still come and go? How do you how do you work through all that? It still comes and goes. I mean I know God, it's not as, as deep as what it used to be, but before, yeah, especially because you we were stuck at home. You had four walls, uh, just your home, pretty much during coronavirus, so you do a lot of thinking. You do a lot of thinking. You do a lot of just looking into yourself and trying to figure out who you were. Um, I just started living now from that situation. I'm be honest with you. I just started living my life within these past two years. Um, now about to become the second of May. I just had a gastric bypass two years ago. So I was way heavier and way unhealthy than what I was. A dining situation made me even more unhealthier. Um, before we count the podcast, I just told Ali, I said, I swear, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to make it to my 30, 32nd birthday. I mean, I had, a, I knew God was telling me I was going to make it to my 37th birthday. If I mean, my 32nd birthday, if I did not change the way I was living because that depression consumes you. You try to figure out why you, what did I do? You know, karma came and bit me in my butt uh, mm. to my son. You know, it's you get all those those things running through your mind. You know, what if I would have did this different for my pregnancy? You know, it was it was a lot. Like what, what, Especially when I got sick during my pregnancy. I mean, I never thought of me getting sick like that and all the things that happened to us during the pregnancy. Like I'm, I watched so much about that at that time about um, 
the mortality rate for African-American women at that time was bec- it was becoming a thing. And I actually was on the news to talk about postpartum mat- mortality, uh, mortality rates because I was about to be one of those. I was there and they had to bring me back and God <laughs> allowed me to come back. So to tell my story. So, you know, when that happened, I knew I knew then before cancer that we had a purpose and this little boy had a purpose. I didn't know what his purpose is. We still don't know, but he has a purpose here. And, you know, everyone that meets him says he's amazing. So I ain't nobody (laughs) but him. But yeah. (laughs) And and, I mean, let me tell you, this kid is four, but he's got the. (laughs) <laughs> he's got like the personality of a, of a 20 four, something, 30 something year old. Yeah. TV personality almost. It he's seems four, I mean, he's... 44, Freddie. <laughs> Man. so outgoing. You saying so TV personality, friendly. honey, at sports.net had him do his own interview and he held the microphone and did his own. So that child, look here, <laughs> that ain't nobody but God in him. That's all I can say. I cannot take credit for that. I can only take color for, take credit for the skin color. That's all. <laughs> The skin color and his cute looks, but other than that, honey, that is God ordained him, honey. I we didn't know how much we needed him. I and that's what pushed me more, you know, to get myself together because I was going down the slump, you know, I mentally and emotionally and physically, I was not doing well post COVID. Like post COVID, I was not doing well. You know, I just was like, why us all the time? I I couldn't even. It, I, tears couldn't even come. I was just numb. I just was numb. You know, Ed, like I said, I didn't know what to do with no baby with one eye. So that 911 was at the house a lot during COVID times because I couldn't, we couldn't see a doctor. Um, I had these two paramedic females. I still have his teddy bear that they gave me for him. They came every single time they seen Adonis had a call, they showed up at that house. Um, less than 24 hours after the hospital, you know, he was like, don't rip when they did the nucleation. So it's called a nucleation, um, which means they completely removed that eye. When they removed that eye, um, they put in something called a conformer because we still have a socket that needs something to support it. So if not, the bone will dense down and it'll close. Eventually, it's not some people who are missing the eye. It's just closed because everything then dropped down. So they put a conformer in to keep the socket in. It's almost like a replacement of an eye, but um, it's just a conformer. It's tissue now. You probably wouldn't. It's a graft, basically a graft ball in, in layman terms. So it's just a graft ball. It probably looked like tissue now. You can see something, but it, it's a it's a graft ball, and he wears a prosthetic eye. Right now, he hasn't been wearing it because he wants to do his own thing. He said he doesn't want to wear it. Um, and I let him give him that option when he wants to wear it. But I do make sure he does put it in because we still want to keep his lid open. So I do make him put it in and wear it. He wore it for the, the, all of this year before it came. It popped out recently. Um, so it does come in and out. But he likes his disability. I made sure from birth that, honey, he was he's very secure. And you know that, Freddie. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the kid is just, he's a, he's a fire, he's a firecracker of a personality in the time that I've gotten to spend with him and just so friendly. And, um, I'm pretty sure he could have gotten me to give him $10,000 if I had $10,000 cash on me. (laughs) Just, uh, so charming and friendly and, and, and adorable to boot. Um, yeah, I want to. I want to ask you though. I want to ask you though because you used to work in the medical field, and now you've got the catering business. Mm-hmm. And 
Ali, your husband, uh, is a DJ. So what was the moment? Was it, was it the, was it Adonis's cancer journey that prompted you to uh, start the entrepreneur thing so that you could choose your hours and work around his schedule or how did that come about? I still was working full time doing it. I started picking it up more or less on um, small events. You know, family members would hire me or family friends would hire me for events outside. So I still worked a full time job. I actually just took on my entrepreneurship uh, full time within this past month. Actually, well, since October, since October. Oh, okay. So I've been doing it full time, putting my full business because our our goal is to open up an event center um at, for the beginning of next year. So that's our main goal, and what we're trying to push through too um is is that. But I love food. I love cooking. I mean, I can't eat how I used to no more, but I love um the togetherness that food brings. You know, my husband has been into music since before I even met him. That's how I met him was at an event and he was the DJ and I asked him to DJ for my party. And that's where we took off from. So that has been something that's our love language. Um, That's our kids love language. My daughter, he's not her biological father, but he took on her like he's hers and like she's his and he even got her eclectic into music. So it's like, it's a family thing. And Adonis honey been DJing since he could touch a boy with his daddy. So you can't, that's why he's into music and he will dance all night. Yeah. Yeah. D- does he, uh, does he cook? Does he cook with you? Do you let him do some prep in? He does, Freddie. He loves to cook. Um, He likes to cook his own eggs in the morning for school. If we're not running late, then I definitely let him do it. Um, he does like to help add or he'll like to mix. Um, he's very, Adonis is very, child. that child is a gentleman, honey. He's very, mama, let me help you. Mama, let me help you. Please, let me help you. Even down to if I'm getting in or out the car. No, I got it. I got it. Let me, let me, let me, let me open the door for you, mama. <laughs> so, and he gets it from his daddy, so I can't even be mad about it. So, but he's very, they they both love being in the kitchen with me. We've been doing these cookies um, like crazy recently. So he's he's very hands-on in cooking. That's, I feel like, going to be my cooking child more than anything. But we just, entertaining is something that we love. We've, that's like I said, that's our love language. That's what started our family. So um, it just made sense for us to put it all in. You know, you step out on faith. I quit my my job. I've been at for three for three years, um, and I had even graduated to a, a admin administration and office manager. But I just I you got to step out on faith and give it give it your give it your best effort. I feel like I couldn't get the things that I needed to get done working at full time, and I just got into a space where I was tired of giving my all because when I work I'm an employee like I go hard like I am invested in my job I'm not a half air like I am I go above and beyond if you allow me to you treat me good you paying my bills and taking care of my livelihood I'm gonna be the best employee so um that I give my all to it and and I just couldn't I was I was at a point where I was tired of giving my all to other people's businesses when sometimes you still do struggle because um, like our family had hit a financial struggle in the process um, with Adonis because Ali, I had left my job and then Ali ended up losing his job when we came back from his Make-A-Wish trip in October. So, you know, it was like, okay, look, we're going to give it to God. We're going to do this thing. And that's just what we've been doing. You know, as an entrepreneur, like you say, Ms. Freddie, you got to hustle. You 
it's not everybody think, oh, you're not working a full time. No, this is a full time job and it's full time all day, every day. I ain't just from yeah. eight to five, nine to three. No, this is <laughs> if you want your stuff to be successful, you have to. It's a, yeah. a, a, up late, up early. I mean, uh, up late at night and up early in the morning, honey. This, this, you just got to go get it. And I really want to do something that I love. It goes back to something Trent, who runs Dish Society, said a long, long time ago when I was interviewing him in a previous radio career of mine. And it's something to the effect of, I'd rather, I'd rather work 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. doing something I love than working 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. doing something I don't. And I'm like, yeah, mic drop. That's what it's all about. Because if you love cooking, Amber, and that's your jam, and Ali loves playing the DJ sets, then, I mean, you know, you, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you could probably find a gig that's 9 to 5, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But I mean, it's, you could do easily start your day at 5 a.m. and end late at night. And it doesn't, it just doesn't seem like work. It doesn't mean that that every day is easy. You know, it doesn't mean that. I mean, sure, they're going to be hard days. When you're trying to build a business, you're going to have a lot of hard days. That's why I've taken <laughs> it. I've taken a lot of losses trying to do this business recently. Not just yeah. recently, but the past. Because I, like I said, I've been putting my full effort. I've been putting the, the main, I'm going hard effort now recently. But I've been putting my full effort in it since last year. And I had my first big gig at a... Um, a Caribbean all night, they call it a fit, which is a party. And it was like from 10 a.m., I mean, 10 at night to 10 a.m. And it was like going to be thousands of people. And I had the whole setup, you know, outside to, you, I mean, I, you were going to have you some, I mean, we had, trust me, you had to have finger type food or food for people to be out in the field with. So, I mean, I had loaded mac and cheese uh, bowls. I had brisket. I had ribs. I had chicken. I had um, pasta that I could make on the set. I had fried fish to make fresh. I had sh- the place got shut down by um, by the city officials before it even started because it was in Conroe. And they tried to shut it down saying that people did not have a Harris County license. But we had our Houston license, but we can't serve food if we don't have a Harris County license. And which they were just trying to be those people and just they didn't want that type of thing happening out there at that. So they shut it down. I, me and Ali lost so, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Freddie, lost so much money. I didn't know what to do with all that food. I mean, I even had like a Caribbean food. I had curry ribs. I had stewed chicken, jerk. I had so much food. We had just picked up like two huge boxes of bolo breads for the um for the sandwiches. If people want the sandwiches that I had Kroger make fresh, oh my god, it was so heart wrenching. Like if I felt it's just my soul had damaged. So I did shut down for a good like month and a half to two months, and then I was like, Amber, you can't let that get the best of you because everybody was like, well, why I haven't been seeing you post anything or um friends with X and I was like, no, nah, I can't do it right now. I can't do it. Cause not only do I cook, but I also like to decorate the event. I do tablescapes and stuff like that. So, I mean, honey, I would have uh, like my niece just had a Barbie theme. I had little martini glasses sitting on top of the little Barbie car on the, on the sunroof of the Barbie car. Like I do a whole little thing. <laughs> I, we did pink Mac and cheese for the Barbie theme. Like, so I do go all out. I like to decorate and all that as well. So the table was all Barbie decked out and everything. So I 
that's why we want to do the event center in the collective. And my sister is a bomb decorator. So when me and her and Ali get together, it is, honey, just throw it out the water because she is way better than me. Triple threat. Mm-hmm. My sister is amazing when it comes to that. She has, I have a wedding this weekend, so I will be in Beaumont. And then she has a baby shower to do. So I was supposed to cater for the baby shower, but it wasn't no way I was going to be able to do both of them at the same time with me leaving out of town. So she was like, oh, I got to do this with Solo, sis. So I still helped a few avenues. But the weird, there's the weirdest baby shower theme. And I've already seen her concept and it is amazing already. But it's a musical theme. Cause the dad is a DJ and he's into music and band and drums. So they're doing a musical theme. So it's whimsical for Wendy. Never heard of it, but it sounds fun. <laughs> Cause the kids, the baby's name is going to be Wendy and you know, whimsical kind of goes into with music. So I was like, Oh, that is neat. I would have never. Cause when she said they want music, I was like, so we're going to be banging drums at a baby shower, but she turned it into something beautiful. So yeah. I can't wait to see the pictures, but yeah, we, that's just something that's in our blood. So I've been giving it our thousands. So just be on look. We we coming with eighteen event centers. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, listen, um, Amber. I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, please tell my friends how they can get a hold of you. They can order your food, whether it's for lunch for the office or if it's for an event uh, for Ollie for his DJ service. Lay it all out there so we can get a hold of you. Yes, most definitely. So you can definitely reach us. My business is called A, which is a single A, and it's sensual, S-C-E-N-T-I-A-L, and sweets, S-W-E-E-T-Z. And you can find me on uh, Facebook at A Sensual Sweets and on Instagram at A Sensual Sweets as well, catering. So, and Ali, you can find him on Facebook at D-E-A-J-J-A-Y. Ali Smith, which is A-L-I space M uh, S-M-I-T-H, and as well on Instagram as well as just DJ Ali. And also we you can find the you can find the menu on theirs as well. The menu looks amazing, by the way. Uh gonna be ordering some tender vittles uh in the very, very, very <laughs> near future. Chef, I'm so glad that we met at the Cap Gala. Thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you, Freddie. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.